Val brought to you by the Children's Rehabilitation Institute, Teleton USA. Hey, this is Laura. And this is Natalie. We're two therapists that work at CRIT, the Children's Rehabilitation Institute, Teleton USA. We wanted to provide the community with an outlet for their stories and resources for our families that may not have access or know how to begin. We hope that through these interviews, we can continue to serve our families and the pediatric therapy community with knowledge and education from a distance. Join us as we speak with some of our therapists, patients, and their families about their diagnosis and discuss how CRIT has helped them navigate their uni challenges. Thanks for listening. A large part of what we do here at CRIT is helping our families learn just as much as our patients do. We understand that families come to us to learn how to help their kid as best they can, and we also get to educate them on how to carry that over um, from what they learn in the clinic, but also at home, in the community, and outside of CRIT just in general. Our therapists make sure that our patients and family members are included in the treatment plan. Maybe not so much right now because of COVID, but we do like it when our families get to come in so everyone can learn and they go home and now their kids get to thrive um, from everyone that has learned, not just the patient. So many of our parents and families really do enjoy coming into our clinic and learning to be a part of their child's treatment. We have so many kids and families that come from all different backgrounds and walks of life, including kids in foster homes and kids who are adopted. So today we highlight a super dad just in time for Father's Day as we just celebrated um, and one of our families who adopted their sweet little girl. And um, they'll give us a little bit of insight of what it's like navigating through life with a new daughter who happens to also have a disability. Rufus will guide us through what he learned and what his wife went through on the journey to adopting Adira, making communication and openness a key component in their family relationship and how to turn a disability into a meaning and beautiful trait. And also how Adira is not just imperfect, but absolutely perfect. You are listening to the Re-Eval brought to you by Crit. So this weekend, many of us will be celebrating Father's Day, and we couldn't think of a better time to interview one of our very own Crit dads. On the show today, we will have Rufus joining us by telephone uh, to introduce us us to his very special daughter, um, Adira. Welcome to the show, Rufus. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Could you tell us a little bit about Miss Adira? Absolutely. So Adira is four years old. She actually just turned four in May. And um, we adopted her back, officially adopted her back in 2019. I'm sorry, 2018. We adopted her in 2018. Um, She was born premature. And she had uh, a mild brain injury due to, uh, I guess you would say, losing oxygen for five minutes during the birth process. Oh wow! Uh, because of, yeah, it was it was pretty severe. Um, because of that, um, she was over the time diagnosed with uh, three major diagnoses. One was cerebral palsy. Uh, the other was with cortical vision impairment, and then the final diagnosis was with epilepsy. So I guess you can say kind of a subcategory diagnosis based off of, off of the CP would be um, chronic constipation as well. Oh, poor thing. 
Um, yeah, and I know we, we had talked a little bit briefly before this, and um, I'm just curious. So she is for now, you said 2018, so around two to three years old is whenever um, she was with y'all. Y'all had officially adopted her, or did y'all have her as, like, foster parents for a little bit before? Great question. So um, when she was born, we were actually in the middle of our training to do foster to adopt. And so while we were at training, the person that owns the the foster agency got a phone call uh, about a child that was being born and needed an emergency placement. Uh, Obviously, since we were doing the trainings, they couldn't do an emergency placement with us. But while she was talking to the individual on the phone, she kept eyeballing us. And my wife and I kind of looked at each other like, okay, that's strange. (laughs) And we never thought anything of it. So... Um, I would probably say about three months into it, we got a phone call back from the adoption agency. We were finally done with all of our training, done with all of our paperwork. Uh, and sure enough, she was like, hey, so do you guys remember that phone call that I got when you guys were in training? So we were like, yeah. So ultimately, this was the little girl that they wanted to place with us. Now, I do have to be transparent. I did not want a little girl um, <laughs> was, I'm from a family that's full of boys and my my lifelong dream has always been to uh, have a son play with boys that's, that's what I'm used to and so um, when we got the surprise that it was a little girl uh, it was not what I was expecting uh, and it's not a bad thing it's, it's actually a really good thing uh, so we first got introduced to Adira. We actually met up with the um, temporary foster parents that were basically holding her until we were done uh, with our training. Uh, so we went to their house in New Braunfels and um, met. At that time, her name wasn't Adira. We legally changed her name once we were adopting her. But we, uh, we met her and... I was the first one to hold her out of my wife and I. And I struggled to to give her to my wife. So needless to say, the idea of having a son was completely shot. (laughs) Era had already had me wrapped around her pinky, and I just didn't know it yet. So um, I would say that was about four months. Uh, when we first got introduced to Adira, and immediately, you can tell, she was a preemie. Um, very, very small, very frail. Um, but it was just something about her that you knew she was a fighter. And so we um, had to do a couple of visits through foster, uh, through the foster care before we could initially bring her home with us. So finally, it got to a point where we could, quote unquote, babysit her over the weekend. Okay. So we would do that. All the while, we kept it a secret from our family. So at this point, my mother never knew, my in-laws never knew, my sister never knew that all of this was going down, and they were just oblivious to the whole thing. Wow. Uh, Yeah, so the, the crazy thing is, Every time we would go to the foster uh, parent's house, my mother-in-law would call while we were en route. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so annoying. She's like, where are you going? <laughs> going on a trip. 
You know, we're going to visit some friends and we would always make something up. And so, you know, she kind of knew something was up, but she just couldn't figure out exactly what it was. Uh, and we didn't share any of the information with the family until we knew that it was going to be official that we could permanently bring the deer home with us. Uh, and so when we finally did that, it was probably about, a deer was about that time five months old. And so maybe, maybe close to five months. And so uh, she came home with us and it was about what, September when she finally came home with us. And, uh, it was perfect. Um, mm. Everyone was excited to meet her. And so going through the foster process, uh, we had to go through a series of court appointments uh, where they were working on the process to remove the birth parents' rights. Um, frequent visits from both the adoption agency and visits from CPS. Uh, they were planned visits. Some of them were uh, impromptu visits, and it was we never re were really concerned about those. They they knew a deal was in good hands, so that was that was the typical process for us. Um, so shortly after Adira turned one, actually a, a few months afterwards, um, November first is when we officially adopted her. November first of twenty eighteen. And um, it, it was really cool because the way um, they planned it out was November is National Adoption Month. It is. So we actually got to adopt her on the first day of National Adoption Month. That's super cool. So, yes, very cool. Um, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit on, on your story there. So um, in general, so you said it, it took quite some time. Y'all had met her around, you know, four to five months. Is it something that you, you know, that y'all's heart always just kind of wanted? Did you know you wanted to adopt initially or was this something? Because um, honestly, my, my family, I have uh, two family members that have gone through the process of trying to foster to adopt. Um, but when they have, it's been for an older child and, uh, something along the lines just doesn't work out for them. And, um, unfortunately both of these, um, not unfortunately fortunate that they were able to rekindle with the family, but for my family, yeah, for my family, they were heartbroken. They had spent, you know, a lot of time investing this relationship, uh, with these children and, uh, when they hear that they aren't going to be able to officially adopt, you know, they, they were heartbroken. So for y'all, like that kind of led me to the idea of like, I, you know, I also want to adopt and it's just always something that's been near and dear, um, to my heart. So I was just curious how that was for y'all. So to, to backtrack on that, that, that's a great question. Um, first of all, before I even answer that, kudos to your family for even trying to adopt uh, an older child because one of the things that we learned while we were going through training was typically older children are always overlooked when it comes to foster to adopt. Um, not only older children, but children with special needs. And, and we'll, uh, we'll get into that part with the dare, but kudos to your family for trying uh, to do that. Obviously, when you're uh, trying to adopt, whether it be a baby or all the way up to, you know, teenage years, 
the, the goal is always to reconnect that adopted, that foster child to that, to back to their family. Um, so I know that that had to have been hard. Um, in fact, during our process from foster to adopt, there were a couple of times where we had to deal with that as well. And, you know, by God's grace, it ended up working out where we ended up getting full custody of Adira. Um, so again, kudos to your family uh, for that. And I, and I would encourage them to keep trying. Um, but to answer your question, so for Lakeisha and I, um, when we started dating, um, you know, you have those formal conversations about dis- different things. And I guess um, Lakeisha thought our relationship was going to that place of where an engagement may come. <laughs> and so uh, she put it out on the table. She's like, hey, I know you have this desire to have sons. and um, I just want to make you aware of something uh, where having a child may be a little bit of a challenge due to a medical condition that I have and obviously she didn't explain the full details at that point in time we were still dating and so I was like wow this is kind of like a deal breaker huh and she was like it disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> and so, obviously, um, I chose my wife. And so, um, it was it was a, a situation where uh, Lakeisha basically just said, "Look, there's this situation that I'm I have that will make um, bearing a child very very risky, not only for me but also for the child." And so, you know, we talked about it, and I was like, if, if that's the only thing that you're, you know, you're presenting to the table that's really, really crazy, I can deal with that. Aww. You know, there's plenty of children and, and foster care that need to be adopted anyway. And so, little did I know that this was, this was how it was all going to play out. And so, um, I, I admit what I said so much that we wrote our own marriage vows. And so during our wedding ceremony, I, part of my vows that I wrote, I alluded to that conversation that she and I had. And the only people that really knew at that time was obviously she and I and then her parents. Um, I had not shared that with anyone in my family about that. And I figured at that point in time, it really wasn't their business to know. Um, so fast forwarding, um, we actually lived in Maryland at the time when we initially started adop- the adoption process and we were going through a Christian adoption agency, but we had to stop. Um, life happens and unfortunately the company that I was working for at the time, um, I got impacted in a third round of layoffs. So we came back home to San Antonio and I ended up getting a position at USAA. And the person that hired me, it turns out that he goes to church with the CEO of this foster agency. And so he puts me in contact with her and we start the process. And the funny thing is I go to the first informational and it was nothing but females. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sitting in this room with all of these women in there. 
talking about the process and you know, some of them have already adopted, some of them are waiting, and they're just talking about their experience. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is fun. Where are the guys? <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, you know, talked to my wife, and we agreed to, to go through the process, but we wanted to meet together with the CEO. So we do that. Great information. Um, and then we agreed to do it. The funny thing is they give you this checklist, uh, and the same thing um, that you can that we got the same we got the same thing when we were working with the adoption agency in Maryland, and it was a checklist of okay, do you want to adopt a black child, Hispanic child, biracial? So we go through that process. Do you want a child with siblings? What age group? And then it got to this unique part where we had our desires and God had his different plans. And so it was like, do you want a child with special needs? No. Do you want a child with cerebral palsy? No. Do you want a child that has been like dealt with chronic trauma? No. And the reason why I chuckle with that is because everything that we said no to, God was silently saying yes to. So, and here comes Adira. And, and we had no idea what we were going to run into. And so we're, we're going through the training and we're learning a lot about how a lot of the children in foster care, um, a lot of them come from trauma. They're pulled from their homes for different reasons. Um, and so our hearts kind of are touched in that aspect. And we're like, man, that would, that's, that's, that's very interesting. But we're still in this category of, no, that's not the child we want. You know, everyone in their, in their minds thinks, yeah, I kind of want this perfect child. And God just has different plans. Um, and so we did not fight the process. We both, when we started to learn about Adira's diagnosis um, and everything that she was dealing with, I think each diagnosis was a series of blows, but it was also a series of, okay, we can do this. Um, I think we both quietly retreated to our own corners at separate times to just process like, oh my God, this is what we're taking on. And, and I'll be completely transparent. I know for me, one of the bigger ones was when Adira was diagnosed with cortical vision impairment or CVI. Um, he was at an eye doctor and he was running these series of tests on Adira that was very, very brutal. Keep in mind, she was no younger than seven months old. And so... I'm having to hold her eyelids open oh while they drop um, fluid in her eyes to, di to dilate her eyes. Um, and she's screaming and she's hollering. And all of a sudden, the doctor, you know, he comes back with all of these tests and he goes, are you aware she's blind? And that was something that we never expected. And it, it just... And I'm watching my wife's face, and you can tell she wants to cry. 
and I'm silently praying, God, okay, this is really more than what we've asked for. But we love this little girl so much. She is a part of our family. So if this is what you want, this is what we're going to take on. And um, it just, it, it worked itself out. I mean, this little girl is, is so loved and, and so ingrained in our family. It's, it's awesome. Some people look at, look at Padira and they can see my wife's, you know, facial features and I love it. Um, and it's, it's, it's like you totally ignore the fact that she's adopted. Um, but this, this is all of a girl, and I guess you could say that's, that's a good portion of our foster to adopt journey. We never really had any real struggles with it other than one incident where the maternal grandmother um, all of a sudden came up and said, I wanted to see my grandchild. And so that, was, that one was more of a blow for my wife than it was for myself. Um, that motherly instinct of being protected kind of kicked in for my wife. So that was, that was very interesting to watch. And this um, was with Adira? This is with Adira. Yes. Oh, wow. But this was well before we, we were still in the, the foster process. Uh, and they were still going through the process of terminating the parents, the birth parents' rights. Um, the one thing I didn't state um, earlier was when Adira was born, she was born seven weeks premature, but she was abandoned in the hospital. Um, and one of the cool things is Adira's developmental pediatrician, um, Dr. Fierro, he and his team were the ones to take care of Adira when she was first born. Oh, wow. Um, we did not know when we were going to them, when we scheduled to go with them, that they were the ones that took care of her when she was first born. Uh, and this is a testament to, first of all, God, but also be just Adira um, and just how much of a fighter she is. They explained to us that literally she should be dead. Um, from our understanding, she actually coded twice. Oh, wow. Um, and so to see where she's at today, they love it. Uh, we actually had a appointment with them yesterday, and they were just the developmental pediatrician team, and they were just so amazed with where she is today. It's just night and day. So it's adopting a special needs child is something that we would have never thought of doing, but we are so glad we did. We are so glad we did. I know y'all are just, I mean, saints for, for doing, because you're totally right. I'm, um, I've heard multiple stories of, uh, there's, I feel like quite a large number of our patients are adopted or in the foster system and um, they are overlooked. <laughs> They are overlooked, and I, I am a new-ish mom. I have a one-year-old, and for me, our life completely changed um, when having a child, right? I mean, you completely have to change everything, and all the cliches are right, right? Your, your world's not the same. It's been flipped upside down, but I can't imagine, on top of that, adding... Um, these multiple disabilities and you're not giving yourself enough credit. I feel like, you know, you said there weren't any struggles other than the, the grandmother incident, but I think the personal struggles of having to, you know, how you said they're, they're more of like a blow 
when hearing each diagnosis yeah. and then just, um, you know, finding y'all's way and the strength. And I, 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 from what I understand, the strength from God, you know, and your family to um, continue on that journey. It's just super amazing and, and really eye-opening. But Adira is so blessed to have y'all. Um, and I'm just going to go back. I cannot believe y'all kept this, you know, large secret. I can understand why, you know, for obvious reasons. <laughs> but knowing, um, knowing your, I believe she's your mother-in-law, the one that used to come into the clinic with Adira. She is just like yeah. head over heels over Adira. So I can't oh imagine <laughs> that in that introduction yeah. is just, I, I, if that was videoed, I would love to watch that because yeah, I feel like, like you said, she is your family and I wouldn't have guessed otherwise. Like that is Adira's grandmother. So it's just, um, yeah. it's just so I, amazing to hear from you firsthand. Thank you. Yeah. My mother-in-law, Man, she is so head over heels for Adira. And, and really, not just her, but even my father-in-law, my mother, my entire family is just head over heels over Adira. Um, I, you know, it, it's just, it's different. Um, and you wonder sometimes how family is going to receive all of this that, that's there. Um, and they have blown my mind with just how much they have opened their arms, their homes, their love to Adira. Um, it's just, it's just amazing. And I'll be honest with you. I think we're really, really blessed. Um, I know some people that have adopted, uh, some children as well, maybe not special needs and their families not be supportive. And so I'm just, I'm really grateful that we have an awesome family that is behind us to, to help us with this journey. Because I don't think we could have ever done it without them helping us this far along. Uh, my mother-in-law and my mom, like when we first adopted Adira, they would help us watch Adira a couple of days throughout the week. They would take turns and tag team while we were working trying to figure stuff out. Um, early on, when we got Adira through foster care, when she was six months old, we started working with ECI, Early Childhood Intervention. And so we had OT, PT, speech, uh, a vision therapist. We even had a, a play therapist. I still don't understand what a play therapist is, so if you can help me, that'd be great. <laughs> but we had a play therapist come in and you know, I'm the extrovert out of my wife and I. My wife is more than introvert. But it was just great to see both of us open up our home to total strangers coming into our home to work with Adira. Um, I know, and, and I just, I cannot repeat this enough, how grateful we are for just a group of people that have come alongside us along this journey with Adira. Um, again, from the ECI team to her, all her cadre of doctors that we have to go through um, to you guys that create, it has just been, it's been a unique journey that, that we are so grateful for the people that are along this journey with us. Um, there's just no way on earth we we could have we could be 
you know, in our right mind, you know, you hear on the news sometimes about, you know, such and such parent, you know, shook their child um, today in the news and they permanently damaged their child in some form or fashion, broke their arm. Um, the child sustained some brain injury. And, I, you know, before, Dara, you start like, man, what's wrong with these people? But then you really start to understand, like, man, having a kid is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and when you, when you have that extra special needs side of it, it's just, it's very different. Um, and like I said, our our in-laws, my mom, my sister, our church family, they've given us so much support. I don't, you know, I have a coworker. She has, you know, two neurotypical children. <laughs> um, and we talk all the time about how blessed my wife and I are because my in-laws, one weekend a month, take a dare off of our hands so that way my wife and I could have you know, our, our own individual time. And I just never take that for granted because I know so many families, whether special needs or not, that's a luxury that they don't have. So when I say that we are blessed, I really do mean that we are blessed and we have an awesome support group. Man, whether, again, whether that's family, doctors, therapists, we just, we are really blessed. So... That's so great to hear. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm only like a year into this. So it's funny sometimes you you go through these phases and you're kind of like, where am I at? Like in all of this. And my husband is actually um, working from home and a stay-at-home dad while I'm here at the clinic. And um, I'll, I have a ton of stay-at-home moms, friends. And it's funny listening. I shouldn't say funny, but it's funny to hear my husband say these things and it's, yeah, it's like sometimes I feel like he, you know, he's, he's losing himself in the care of our child, right? I, I'm so fortunate that he's able to stay home and um, provide, you know, the best care, I feel like, um, being one of the parents there. But at times I'm like, hey, you need to do you. Like, we need to, like, do you want to golf? Do you want to take this time away? And it's been really hard uh, through COVID to kind of um, open our, not necessarily even our house, but um, expose our child socially to more people. It's been something that has been a challenge to us. And, uh, you know, she is neurotypical. And so um, I can't imagine how, you know, COVID has affected um, the disability community just so much more so. Um, but yeah, to have that, you know, like you said, a full weekend of just kind of being you and your wife and getting back to, uh, what makes y'all y'all, and then just being regenerated back to be the best parents you can for Adira. So that's really, um, really great to hear that you have such an awesome support group. Cause you're right. Not everyone has that. And I can't imagine like with COVID, like I said, it's just that, that much more difficult. So, um, yeah. really good to hear. Um, but other than that, I know you touched base on it a little bit and I, m maybe it's a question out of left field, um, because Adira is your only child. Do you feel like having a child with a disability has changed y'all, um, maybe as a person, but, um, as parents, do you feel like you would be any different if you had a neurotypical child? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I almost feel like you should probably ask my wife <laughs> that question about me um, <laughs> because I'm so out there. I'm 
I will say that there have been adjustments that I've had to make. Again, growing up, um, my sister has all boys. And so growing up in a family with all boys and someone that's wanted nothing but sons. Um, yeah, there, there have been a few adjustments that I've had to make. Um, I remember just with my nephews picking them up and slamming them on the bed and them jumping up saying again, slamming them on the bed. And so um, obviously years later, here comes Adira and I'm doing that with Adira and <laughs> I hope my wife doesn't kill me for sharing this story. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I'm, I'm having Adira and I'm like pay playfully body slamming her on the bed. <laughs> Not like really body slamming her. I don't want to make it feel like there's a juice, but <laughs> you know, like just painfully, you know, slamming her on the bed and she smiles. And so, you know, Keisha goes, babe, I really need you to stop that. I was like, what do you mean? And again, my mind is thinking, you know, playful, playful with boys, you just like rough house. And she's like, well, do you really want your daughter to grow up to feel like it's okay for a man to slam her on the bed? And I'm like, oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was a paradigm shift. You know, not just because it's a girl, but, you know, she's also a girl with special needs. And so it, it started a really good conversation between she and I about what's acceptable versus not. But I think for me, it was also a, a bigger conversation of, I don't want her to be in a bubble and not enjoy life just because she has disabilities. Like a, a disability is one thing, but if you take the dis off, you still have ability to enjoy life. And so that, sparked a huge conversation between Shanna about, you know, how to make sure Adira enjoys life. And so it started this quest of figuring out what Adira likes or what she doesn't like. Um, and it just, I hate to say it, my poor wife, it actually goes towards the things that I like doing. Adira is very... Um, adventurous <laughs> um, and she loves stuff like being thrown <laughs> on the bed <laughs> um, I, while I don't do that I will roughhouse her a little bit um, and you know Keisha has opened up a little bit as well in that aspect but um, I think another area for me is uh, while I'm the extrovert and my wife is the introvert, it has put me in a position where I'm not as rigid in certain areas of my life. Um, I'm more carefree. Uh, and I think I just want the best life for Adira that I'm willing to drop some areas in my life where I'm uncomfortable uh, and drop that and just live in the moment. Um, and just enjoy life uh, and enjoy and make sure she enjoys life. Um, one of the cool things that we just recently did was we took Adira to Morgan's Wonderland for the first time and we had her on one of the swing sets and oh my gosh, you should just, you should just see 
her face when she was on the swing, just big grin, very, very happy. And That's it's so like, awesome. Yes. So it's like I get that boy playfulness in my daughter that I always wanted. And so, you know, and then my wife, obviously, she gets to do the, the bowls. And as you know, Adira is always in a bowl. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, we kind of get the best of both worlds uh, with this. But I think that's the best way I can answer that question. No, I, I love that. And I think, um, I mean, here at Crit, that's, you know, our, our like number one mission is um, inclusion. And um, you said it yeah. perfect. Just uh, just because it is a disability does not mean that they are not able to do so much more and enjoying life as a kid should be your first priority, right? Like they say, play um, play is work for children. So, um, to have her enjoy her life as a four-year-old and enjoy swings. And if she wants to get rough house, like, yeah, finding that, um, that thing's going to keep her driven. You know what I mean? And I, I, I feel like that's, uh, the best, best way to put it is how you said it. Like if it does not matter if you do, um, have a certain disability, you're able to do so much. And I love that y'all went to Morgan's and for people um, listening, Morgan's Wonderland here in San Antonio is a amazing, um, park that has like a water park and a, a general land park for children with disabilities. So it is the coolest park I've been to. Um, and really, I, I feel like you don't have to, um, you don't have to have a disability, of course, to go um, and still have like the best time. And so um, I, I love that you took her there and, and it's been um quite some time because they were closed for a, a long time. And so I know that we have some patients here that, that was like their go-to place to really enjoy and be a kid and fall. And um, one of our patients here, he'll always tell us, he says, I understand I have a disability, but I'm still a kid and I'm going to fall. He's like, so don't freak, exactly. so don't freak out <laughs> kind of thing. Like, I'm going to fall. It's fine. Right. And so I feel like at those places, you know, and I feel like Morgan's really has has done such an awesome job on on making the park as accessible as possible for everybody with any need. And if you do fall, you're fine. If you, um, you want to get on swing, you have that ability. So I love that y'all took her there. It's just really cool. Um, well, lastly, Rufus, I, um, through the grapevine, right? Cause I had actually been introduced to you through, um, one of our PTs here. Um, she had mentioned that you were going to start a podcast, uh, that was geared, from what I understand, um, on a father's perspective, um, and I don't know if you mind sharing a little bit about your podcast. Sure. So uh, the podcast is going to be called The Imperfect Gift. Uh, and I know it's kind of a strange name, but the, the reason why I'm calling it, calling it The Imperfect Gift is because typically most parents want that perfect child. Uh, and whether that child is a special needs child or a neurotypical developing child, that child is perfect in their eyes. And so the way you will see imperfect spelled out is I am is in parentheses, which another way you could see it as I'm perfect gift or the I'm, I'm the perfect gift. And so for, for me, it, it, it's kind of a weird way in how I came up with, with this. Um, so I was watching the Goonies one day, 
and I don't know if you if you've ever watched The Goonies. I might be dating myself. No, the, Goonie, and, uh, the Goonies is a classic. All should watch. <laughs> okay, perfect. So if you remember, um, Sloth was in the back, and obviously he's a special needs child. And it was interesting because they, and I never put this together as a child. I just never thought about this. Um, but obviously they had him hidden in the back. And so he was perfect, but his facial deformity and all of that, it just wasn't. And so he was playful. And uh, I had this, this idea about putting together the podcast because so many times we look at certain things and, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't even have to be a special needs child, but we're all perfect in our own way. And, and this is the way that God made us. Uh, and by that aspect, you're perfect, not only in his sight, but perfect to your parents. And so I came up with this podcast to kind of talk about our journey with the adoption process uh, and our journey through all of the special needs diagnoses that we've gone through and more. And so to, the part that I'm really excited about is every fifth episode of the podcast, we're going to have that episode dedicated purely to, to men or to dads, um, because dads kind of have a different journey in this. And I'm learning this not only with a special needs child, but I have friends that are dads of neurotypical developing children, but it's a common theme of everyone goes to the moms for everything. Uh, and it's, it's not saying that it's not, um, how do I want to word this? It's not, a, it's not bad that they're going to the moms, but it feels like sometimes dads, are not treated the same. And so I kind of asked a number of dads a series of questions. I'm like, oh my God, uh, I'm feeling the same way. And so uh, one friend from church, he was describing his situation of when they would go to a doctor's office and the doctor would ask questions about the child, but it was always directed towards mom whenever the dad would speak up and say something, they would look in amazement. Like, oh my gosh, you know this, or you know that, you know all the diagnosis, you know the different treatment plans. And his response was, yeah, I live in the house too. <laughs> and, so, and so I kind of want to dispel that myth of dads don't know it all, you know, or dads don't know anything about their child's needs. Um, it's, I just, I really want to dispel that myth and really show that dads too are involved in their child's lives and not just for Father's Day, but you know, every single day of that child's life, there are, are dads that are actively involved in their children's lives. Um, and I think one of the other things that is kind of driving me to that, that kind of approach is I grew up in a single parent home. My dad uh, passed away when I was 11 years old. And so, it, which is kind of the other reason why I always wanted nothing but sons. Um, for a good portion of my life, I grew up without my dad. 
And so just to have that confirmation from one man to another and affirm another dad, like, hey, I see you dad of a special needs child making the sacrifices that you're making. Sometimes I know you're not able to attend all the doctor's appointments or all the therapy appointments, but the sacrifices that you are making, they do matter. And so I really just want to encourage men, whether that be a, a single parent dad or a dad that's, that's married, whether it's a, a dad that is a homosexual, gay, you just, I just want to encourage that dad to say, hey, I see you and you're doing a great job in your child's life, whether that's special needs or not. So that's really the essence of, of what I'm approaching. That is um, such an awesome idea. Like, I, I absolutely love that. And I feel like, in general, being a parent is hard, but you're totally right. Being a dad just has that extra level of, and I don't, I can't find the right word for it, but. I, I just feel like y'all don't get the credit that you deserve. Like you can be totally involved um, completely at every single appointment and it doesn't matter. You're right. The, the doctor, the teacher, um, and even the child, like they're going to go to mom for whatever reason that is. Um, I mean, my, my child spends most of her day with her dad, yet her first word was mama. And that drove my husband crazy. <laughs> it drove him crazy. And he's like, how? How is this possible? I'm here all day long. Um, and so I, I absolutely understand that. And I feel like, you know, with the credit needed, it doesn't matter how much time you have in your day, knowing that y'all are putting forth the best effort as you can as parents, as you know, everyone's human and and things can happen. Like you said, you don't make it to all the appointments, all the volleyball games, it doesn't matter. Um, but providing that voice and just being another source for, uh, for parents in general, I think it would be eye opening for, you know, some moms to listen in because uh, I know I'm guilty, you know, I ask my husband a million questions when I get home and, and he's like, Hey, you know, this isn't day one of me watching our baby. <laughs> I've been doing, I've been doing this now for over a year. Yes. She's fed. Yes. We played and you know, and it's, I am totally guilty of it. So I'm really, really excited, um, to hear, you know, the, the stories that you have to share, especially, um, those of a dad perspective, because I, I really feel like it can be eye opening even for myself. So, um, but I just want to thank you so much for for your time and really just sharing um your amazing story with Adira and your wife I feel like I I couldn't have thought of anything better than hearing the story today it was just it, it made my day honestly and like I said you re- you read these story you read these information on an eval but it's not like hearing it from you I don't I don't understand what actually happened to get to this process to where you are today and um, yeah. And y'all are just doing, you know, such an amazing job. You and your village of people there to help out Adira to to have her enjoy life as best as she can. Um, do you? Uh, I guess the last thing I was going to ask is, do you have any words of advice? Being that it is going to be Father's Day this weekend, um, any words for some dads that may be listening? Wow. Uh, honestly, I would say embrace and enjoy the journey. That is, that is one of the things that I've had to, to learn is to embrace and enjoy the journey. I love that. And I think that can go both ways. I, I absolutely love that message. Thank you again, Rufus, so much um, for your time. Uh, and we hope to see you soon in the clinic after all this craziness is over. 
Oh my gosh, yes. I appreciate it. And thank you so much. Of course. One thing that I really learned during this um, is as a parent, especially to a parent with a kid with a, with a disability or any kind of different disabilities or abilities, it's really important to have um, and know a lot of those resources that are out in the community and also to know how to take advantage of them in a positive way. He talks a lot, a lot about what's next door with Morgans and um, just other ways like his church family and things like that. And I think it's just really cool to hear a perspective from a parent with a kid with a disability and it really helps others understand how to help their kids the best they can. Um, Rufus also talks a lot about how his daughter is not just imperfect, but absolutely perfect. And to be able to have that fun relationship with his daughter, regardless of abilities or disabilities, um, is really eye-opening. And as someone who hopes to be a parent and possibly adopt one day, like that just really inspires me to consider the need of the child first. Yeah, definitely, Natalie. I um, I kept going back on the fact that when they were going through this adoption process, you know, he was very honest with us, and he said that um, they had these boxes to check. Uh, were they going to have someone with a disability? Were they going to um, obviously make that change in their life? They're already adopting, so it's going to be a huge change, but knowing that they um, would have someone that would need some additional needs, uh, I just found it... Um, so interesting in the sense that, you know, the, the path that they had originally planned, like this, he kept, he kept going on and forth about saying that, you know, God has a different plan for them and they had had that special call. And so I couldn't imagine a, a deer with any other parents. And she's so fortunate to have such an amazing family. And I think I told you like a million times, like after this interview, um, I had chills. It was just so amazing. <laughs> it makes me want to be a better parent, a better person. And I think we're just really fortunate to have um, these parents and these families that we have here. Um, I know my husband has listened to the podcast a couple of times and he's like, you sound like such a fangirl. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I am. I'm a fangirl of our parents. Like they are amazing. And uh, again, I couldn't, I couldn't learn uh, to be a better parent as a newish parent um, from the people surrounding us here. So um, I'm learning from his village. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, but again, I really want to uh, put forth, I'm really, really excited that he's going to have this podcast out. That fifth episode that he has dedicated for dads is just going to be a really um, cool feature. Uh, and he did let us know that it's going to be available in uh, either July or August. So definitely uh, keep your ears open, listen up for that. It's going to be available, I believe, on all major listening platforms where you would find a podcast. So we really hope you um, enjoyed as a nonprofit, we couldn't do what we do without your support. Please visit us at critusa.org for more information on our organization, as well to find a link to donate. We would love to hear feedback from you. As mentioned, we are a podcast to serve you. We were reserving the final portion of each episode to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at critusa.org for questions or topics that you would like to be covered. about the re-eval, please visit critusa.org. Thank you for listening. The information presented on this podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice. Please continue to follow the recommendations of your physician and or other healthcare providers. Please refer to your physician prior to initiating any modifications to your current healthcare regimens. Mm-hmm.